seated. Please pray with me. God, would you continue to meet us in this space, showing us that you are with us and that you care for us. We may come to you this morning in joy and in sadness, with faith and doubts, with hope and without. God, would you share with us your good news this morning? And if anything that I say isn't helpful, isn't uplifting to those gathered here or those listening, let us all simply forget it. We love you and we need you. And we pray these things in the name of you, our creator, redeemer, and the spirit among us. Amen. So our text today in Genesis, it's about a man named Jacob. His bio reads like this. First, he is one of the patriarchs, one of the leaders of the people of Israel as they followed God. And he's in the line of names that clarify to Israel and to the surrounding peoples which God they were talking about, which God they were worshiping. They would call God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Jacob's name was well known because of that. He was a dear ancestor to people. He was in the long line of people who helped God's people find their way, and he had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the 12 families or tribes of Israel. Jacob's story was a story told over and over at the campfire, in synagogue, and in temple, in the home as generations ahead of him in the people of Israel struggled, as the people of Israel struggled to make their way in the world. And struggle they did, you know the story. While we don't know exactly when Genesis was written, it was certainly written during a difficult time in Israel's history. Tradition tells us that Moses wrote the book of Genesis. Some say that Moses wrote down the stories passed on from generation to generation as Israel was breaking free from being enslaved in Egypt, as they languished in the desert, and as they looked to find their new home. Some scholars also say that this text could have been written during that time that Israel was violently conquered by many, many surrounding armies. Scholars say this text was perhaps written then from stories passed down from each generation and that as these people suffered in exile away from each other and away from their land. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I think it bears repeating. Regardless of when Genesis was put together, this text was written to remind the people of Israel who they were and who God was. And this story this morning, it's no different. Jacob's story too is told to remind the people of Israel who they were and who God was. While Jacob is a beloved patriarch, while his name is spoken to clarify who God is as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, while his story is in our scriptures, while he is a hero of, of the Pentateuch, these first five books of our Bible, Jacob is not a character that you'd expect to be named in all of these magnificent, heroic ways. In fact, Jacob is not a character you'd expect to be a hero at all. He's had his fair share of mishaps. He doesn't have the characteristics of a hero. After all, Jacob is, one of the, is the one who was born holding onto his brother Esau's foot in the womb, and he is named the one who deceives, or the deceiver, the trickster by his mother. 
Admittedly, this is not a great start to his life. And one day when Jacob and Esau were older, Esau came in from hunting and was hungry, and Jacob manipulated or tricked him into giving him his birthright, or the right to inherit everything from his father, just for some soup, and this isn't very fair. When I'm feeling hungry, I'll do just about anything for a snack, so I can resonate with Esau here. And Esau and his dad felt that this was unfair too, and they were so angry at Jacob that Jacob had to run away, and he remained in hiding and unreconciled to his family for 20 whole years. And eventually, Jacob marries and has children, and he has obvious favorites of his sons, and this influences 11 of his sons to try to kill or sell his favorite son into slavery. Jacob the patriarch, the one whose story is told over and over, he doesn't have the characteristics of a hero. We'd imagine a hero to be honest, strong, reconciling, fighting for what is right, caring. Instead, Jacob is actually a liar, a manipulator, one who isn't great at loving his family and someone who's estranged from so many. He isn't caring. Many of our stories in scripture show him to be brash and often very afraid. So why is it that this character Jacob is uplifted in the biblical narrative? Why is so much time taken to tell about him? And perhaps weirdest of all, we find Jacob wrestling God in the story we heard today. Jacob is about to go reconcile with his brother Esau after 20 years of being estranged, and the night before he's about to meet his brother, who is a very strong man and who could kill him when he sees Jacob, if he wished. Before Jacob is about to meet his brother, he sends his family away across the river, perhaps to protect them if Esau does something to him, and he is left alone nearest to where he will meet Esau. And we don't know how this happens, but somehow Jacob wrestles God. And I have so many more questions to add to the questions earlier about Jacob being an example in our faith. How does Jacob wrestle God? How does something like this happen? How does someone wrestle God and not completely lose? Is it really God that Jacob wrestles with? Or as some scholars say, is it an angel? Or as other scholars say, is it a dream Jacob had where he wrestles with an embodied form of his emotions and trauma? Or is it an embodied fear of him meeting his brother Esau? Is he wrestling with himself? Is this a real encounter? Is it a dream? Does this symbolize something? And honestly, there aren't any conclusive answers. But whatever Jacob wrestles with, and he believes that it is God in our text, perhaps you can relate with this wrestling. I certainly know that I can. I am a wrestler. Not the kind that goes into a ring and fights people, not the kind on the Glow TV show. Have you guys seen that? I like that show. Not the kind that uses her fists, but the kind that can't take anything at face value. The kind that always has more questions and is always skeptical, that's me. Perhaps that says something about my life experiences, but isn't that the case for most of us? Our life experiences dictate our ability to trust others after what we've been through. 
After things we've done, also, we wonder if anyone could trust us again. We wonder if we will be received well or killed like Jacob wondered if he would be when he prepares to go meet his brother Esau. Our traumas make us wrestle with things, our minds too. Our wounds also stick with us, and we can't always think outside of their framework. We ask questions, and after all that we've been through, after all that Jacob had been through, he wrestled with God, or himself, or his ideas about his brother, and we wrestle too. Perhaps, maybe we're a bit like Tevya in the musical Fiddler on the Roof who narrows his eyes at God and asks all sorts of unorthodox questions. Tevya is honest and has a constant conversation with God. He says what he is thinking and feeling. And he says to God, after some difficult things happen in his family, he says, he looks up to the sky, he says, sometimes I think when things are a little bit quiet up there, you say to yourself, what kind of mischief can I play on my friend Tevya? Tevya loves God deeply and commits his entire life to following God, even at the expense of much in his life. And in his confusion or pain, he tells God what he is feeling, even if he is only sort of sure that he knows God is good. That doesn't stop him telling God that sometimes Tevya isn't so sure about that, that he isn't so sure that God is. Throughout the whole story of Fiddler on the Roof, you can see Tevya wrestling with God as he looks to the sky, as he speaks his mind, as he doesn't hold back his hard and life-altering questions about the goodness of God. Tevya wrestles God with every single one of his breaths. And maybe we do the same. But... If you have questioned, if you have wrestled with God, you know that questions in religious spheres, they aren't always received very well, unfortunately. Sadly, even in the face of all that we've done, after how our mistakes have been received, after all we've seen others do, after what we've seen the church do to people, after what we've seen those who profess to follow God do to others who are God's beloveds, and after all we've seen, sadly, doubt and questions and wrestling in the Christian faith are so often seen as things that we should keep quiet about because, after all, God is God and we are not and God has died for us, so we should be grateful, not narrowing our eyes at our creator. And in Jacob's case, God had kept him alive, though his brother was out to kill him. God had provided for him and his family. He was no longer pushed out or hated for his deceit. He was no longer alone. Shouldn't he not wrestle? But still, he does. And Jacob doesn't just fight a little. Jacob wrestles all night with this mysterious adversary. And these two fighters, they come to a draw. Neither wins, and the sky turns from black to gray. And as Jacob begins to see just a murky glimpse of his wrestling partner, now that the sun is rising just a bit, this strange man dislocates Jacob's hip, injuring him very seriously. He will walk with a limp for the rest of his life. And I don't like this. If this strange adversary of Jacob's is in fact God, I don't like that God hurts Jacob as they wrestle. Scholars say that any encounter with God is a big deal and we may leave as new people. 
Maybe it is also like the Chronicles of Narnia where Aslan, the God figure, is described as not being safe. He is described as being good, but he's a lion after all. He's not safe. Maybe God is like that. I may never ever get an answer to this mystery here, why Jacob gets wounded in his wrestling, but we can learn a few things, I think. Perhaps all of our wrestling is like this, this draw between God and Jacob. With whomever and whatever we wrestle, we will leave changed. It is difficult to be a wrestler, and it will mark us, it is bloody. And there are certainly ways for us to stay unmarked and wounded. If we stay out of the ring, if we go along with the status quo and never ask questions, we may stay exactly the same. But do we want that? It is, after all, our wrestling that changes us. It is our wrestling that makes us ask the hard questions and challenge institutions that do wrong and make change for the better. That's what our wrestling does. It is wrestling that makes millions of students around the world this past Friday walk out of class to demand that our politicians do something in order to make our world safer for us all and halt climate change. That is beautiful wrestling. I know many students in this congregation did that this week. It is Martin Luther who made way for revival in the church, and Martin Luther King Jr. who challenged systems in our country that privilege one over another. This is good wrestling. It is the wrestling of Gloria Steinem, of Harriet Tubman, Vietnam protesters, Mahala, Desmond Tutu, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, James Baldwin, Audre Lorde, Nelson Mandela, and DeRay McKesson, who have made this world better through their questions and wrestling. These wrestlers, they weren't and aren't perfect, like Jacob, like us, but they did beautiful things. The Apostles Paul, Peter was a big wrestler. Mary and Junia, who wrestled, teach us much about our faith. Protesters, wrestlers, questioners, challengers, they won't leave the fight unmarked, but they will leave better, and they will leave the world better, too. It is often our wrestling that makes us more and more who God has made us to be. For Jacob doesn't just receive a wound, another wound after a long line of them in his life. His wrestling partner also gives him a blessing and gives him a new name. Jacob, our antihero, the man who was named deceiver at birth, who manipulated his family, who was pushed out and chased, who was hated by most and left on his own, Jacob, who couldn't figure out his family dynamics and who showed favoritism, who lies and cheats, this Jacob is given a new name, a new identity. His adversary, perhaps God, names him something new. Jacob is no longer the deceiver. He is now called Israel. And this name is hard to translate, but it's most likely, it means most likely something like this. It means one who fights with God and who God fights with. It means henceforth God appreciates your dying commitment to the struggle and to being open and honest. 
It means one who wrestles with God and who God will fight for. It means God protects and preserves this one. And Jacob, Israel, will always continue to wrestle. The rest of his story in Genesis isn't exactly squeaky clean. He is still a wild and contentious man who can't communicate with his family and who makes mistakes, but he is still changed. He has a new way of being. He prays and he is humble when he meets his brother to reconcile with him. He is no longer Jacob the con artist, but Israel, the one who wrestles with God and prevails, the one who God protects. Now he knows that while he wrestles with God, wondering if God was with him after all that he had been through, wondering if he would ever find home and reconciliation, wondering if God would leave him to die at the hands of his brother that he wronged, while he is wild and contentious and doesn't follow God well and certainly has been a cheat and a liar, this Jacob, he learns that God is still with him, that God hears and appreciates his questions meets him in the wrestle, in the ring, and wrestles him. God still appreciates his true and honest questions, and God will protect him. And I wonder if this could be a reminder for us as we wrestle. We haven't maybe been named Israel, but I wonder what God might be renaming us after all that we've been through, after all of our questions. What might God be renaming you? Perhaps God renames you the one who God listens to after you have felt unheard much of your life. Maybe your new name is simply beloved as you wonder if God would love you after all that you've done. Perhaps it is she is forgiven or God will redeem this one. Or maybe God's new name for you is God loves his questions and will answer them. Or this one is not alone. Maybe your new name is God doesn't desert this one in their doubt. And perhaps we too can remember that while Jacob isn't much of an example of goodness and isn't much of a hero, this is exactly who God always works with in our scriptures without fail. Honestly, after spending some time on this in this text, I think, of course, of course it's Jacob who is listed in our line of patriarchs who showed us the way of God. Of course his name is in the list of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of course his name is passed along from generation to generation as a hero of our faith, of course. It is always those we wouldn't expect who are heroes and heroines in our stories of faith. It is always those who are at the bottom. It is always those that aren't so great. It is always those whose stories are messy It is always those who are the most notorious sinners, always those who are doubters, questioners, strugglers, wrestlers, always those who don't quite fit, who are pushed out, and who are alone. And Jacob is no different. God takes what is broken and heals and makes right. It's the whole story, of course. And the same is true for us. 
When we are pushed down, when we struggle and wrestle, things won't be easy. Maybe we too will be wounded in our wrestling with whatever or whomever we struggle with. Maybe we too are marked and scarred from our wrestling and challenging, but we still are God's. No matter if we wrestle with faith or God or others or all that comes against us or ourselves, whatever makes us unsettled, we are loved. God doesn't discount us though we question and doubt. God doesn't discount us though we wrestle. God joins us instead in the ring and wrestles with us. Of course. We're gonna move right into our creative response today. And we're gonna do a little bit of a meditation. So if you can get comfortable, just sit straight or relax, whatever's good for you. And close your eyes if that feels comfortable to you. I invite you to take a deep breath in and out through your nose and out through your mouth. Take a couple more deep breaths in your nose and out through your mouth. And as you listen to your breath, as you feel it moving in and out of you. I want you to meditate on what you wrestle with in this time, what doubts or questions you may have, maybe about God or church, maybe about a situation in your life, something that is making you feel unsettled. Take a moment and meditate on that in this time as you breathe. And as that thing that you're wrestling with, the thing that unsettles you comes to mind, I invite you now to think about what God might be saying to you with that thing that you're wrestling with. What might God be naming you in the middle of your wrestling? What might your name be from God? Perhaps that could be one who wrestles with God and who God protects, or one who is forgiven or beloved or whole, one that God is helping to heal. I invite you each now to take a few minutes in silence to reflect here on what God might be calling you and naming you, something that you may need to hear in this moment. Take a few minutes to reflect and listen.
And now as we close out our reflection time, take in a few more deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I invite you to open your eyes when you feel ready. And now we will move into a time of prayer with Pastor Steve.